Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Paranormal. I'm your host, Marie Adaranti. And joining me on the podcast today is one of my very good friends, Victoria Kut. Harsky. <laughs> very good. Thank you for the invite. That pronunciation was very well done. Did I do, did I do good? You actually did very well, yes. Fantastic. Um, so, first of all, I've had, we have so many good stories to tell tonight. Like, I had so many people write in, and it was hard to choose from the ones that I was sent, but I got some really, really good ones. Um, and Victoria is going to tell us a story, not, it didn't happen to you, but how, like, how was it? Yeah. So it was actually my friend's family friend. Um, just to sum it up, it's about a possession story. So we haven't had a possession yet. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's pretty intense. It's kind of scary, but yeah, it's what I'm going to talk about later. I can't wait. Um, I guess I'm just gonna, I'll dive right in here and just, uh, let you guys know that I, have um, my stats of who's listening. So I've got most of my listens come from the United States. Uh, Then Canada is next, followed by Mexico. And the city with the most listens is, drumroll, Los Angeles. So thank you, LA, for listening to my spooky podcast. Um, And I think I'm going to start doing this thing where if your city is the most listened, like the city that listens to me the most, I'm picking a ghost story from your hometown, and I'm going to read it. Um, I found a, one from L.A. about Griffith Park. Um, I've never been to L.A., always wanted to go. If I ever go, I'm definitely going to this park. It's so fucking spooky. So I'll be talking about that story. Um, I've got some listener mail that I was going to read out, and we're going to hear about Victoria's possession story. So let's dive right in. Oh, and last week, at the beginning of last week, the number one city was Omaha, Nebraska. So I actually reached out to, I looked up some hauntings that had happened in Omaha, Nebraska, and I reached out to O'Connor's Irish Pub in Omaha, because that one was one that I, that a lot of people had been talking about online. And, um, I reached out to them. I asked them for ghost stories. They responded and they said they'd be happy to share them. Um, but just after Thanksgiving, cause they're really busy. So after Thanksgiving, I'm going to send them another message and ask for some good ghost stories. And hopefully I can get Omaha's up on the podcast as well. Um, I'm going to start with some mail I got from a girl named Angie. She, this, she doesn't have a story, but she said, Hey lady, just wanted to say, I love your podcast. Like love. I was so worried when you said in one episode that you weren't sure if you were going to continue it. I'm relieved and thrilled thrilled that you've continued since. My heart does a little dance every time I see the notification of a new episode. I've got some good experiences for you. If you ever need some new stories, have a good one. And I can't wait for your next episode. That was adorably sweet. So thank you for that, Angie. And then I got another message. I don't, I think this girl's name, I'm going to find it really quickly on my Instagram, but I got another message. She commented on one of my photos, which was really sweet of her. Um, And her name, is 
Laura. And so Laura commented, podcast fan, just listened to your sick episode, <laughs> literally and figuratively. You weren't feeling well and read about the hot palm reader. I was engrossed while cleaning my house. Need more, please. Like you guys are so cute. I love you. And I feel like I had one more person comment on one of my photos. I'm going to find it. Yep. Uh, this person right here commented on something on my Instagram. I think his name is West. Found your podcast yesterday and just finished it. I absolutely love it. Keep it up. Can't wait for the next episode. So thank you to everybody for your awesome emails telling me that you love me. Obviously, I'm just conceited and wanted to talk about how everyone loves me. Uh, <laughs> um, so the first ghost story that I got is from a girl who I connected with on social media. She had reached out to me on Twitter to let me know that she loved my podcast I think her, okay, it's either BB or Bebe. Her name is B-E-B-E. She's adorable. I started following her back on social media, which I never do. Um, but she's this really, like, she's an amazing makeup artist. She's so cool. And so we started talking about, like, cool go shit. And turns out she, I, I'm not going to tell you where she works, but she works at, at a theme park. And her job is actually to play a very famous woman that walks around the theme parks. That's so cool. Yeah, like, you know how you see characters that walk around theme parks? She plays, like, her role as, like, like, if you went to Disney World, you would see, like, a girl dressed as Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. That's obviously not her, but she plays, like, a, like a celebrity in one of the theme parks. Well, you can't I give won't her a tell, day I away. Won't, I won't tell, because oh she, she specifically asked me not to, so I'm not going to, but she's unreal. Like, I looked at her Instagram, I looked at her Twitter, and I was like, not that, like... <laughs> I feel bad because now I'm like, she's the only one I followed. But like, there was just like this connection when we were talking and it felt like I was talking to like one of my best friends. So I was like, you're amazing. Yeah, she's so cool. She's super cool. And she said, if I ever go to her hometown, she'll get me tickets to go to the theme park. (laughs) I hope I'm invited. (laughs) I got hired to work at Disney World. Did you really? I did. I got hired to work at Disney World or Disney. Yeah, Disney World. So Orlando, I got hired to work at Disney World when I in 2009. I went to like the most intense, it was the most intense interview process I've ever been through. So I had like a phone interview. Then I had an in-person interview. So the phone interview, I must've like nailed it. And then in person, I had met Steven, literally my husband, Steven. I had met him like two, three weeks. I think, honestly, I think it was No, it might've been one or two weeks before I went to this interview. And after I met Steven, I was like, I don't even want to get this job anymore. I don't want it. Like, I don't want it. Even though my husband was living in British Columbia and I was living in Ontario. He, after we met, we knew each other for four days and he was like, I'm moving back here for you. Like, I'm going to be with you. I'm Aww. moving back. It's actually a really like, cute love story. love at first sight. Should I just tell oh you guys gosh. the story? Yes, I know you're here. Us. I know you're here for spooky things, but like, I, I've had some wine. So <laughs> we've already started. Let's so just Stephen and I met. His cousins are my best friends. So he came to visit from British Columbia. He came out with us to a bar because we were going out that night. We met that night. We like fell in love the first night we met each other. We knew each other for four days. And then I walked him to the bus stop after the fourth day because he was leaving. And he literally like, we saw the bus coming down the street. We looked at each other. We gave each other a hug. He got on the bus, turned around while he's on the bus, looks at me and goes, 
I'm coming back for you. And then the bus doors shut and the bus drove away. And I felt- Holy shit. Right? That's like a movie. I was just going to say, I felt like I was on a (laughs) rom-com. Oh my God. I know. And so then, so then after that, I was like, I don't even want this job. I just want to be with this kid. And so I, um- uh, then I, I, the next week I went to my interview in Toronto. I had my dad drive me to Toronto. I went to this interview and they were like, you can't have piercings. You can't have visible piercings. You can't have visible tattoos. If you have visible tattoos, we have this special makeup that covers your tattoos. You have to have natural colored hair, natural makeup. Like you have to look like very like whitewashed, like a white sitcom, like picture, like the whitest, like picture the family on the seventh heaven sitcom. Like that's what you have to look like, which is fine. That's their, that's their image. So that, that's totally fine. Um, went to the interview and they're like, do you have any tattoos? No. Do you have any piercings? I'm like, yeah, I have two. Um, they're like on my collarbones. Cause I had collarbone piercings back then. Cause I was super cool. And I was, and they were like, oh, that could be covered with a shirt. And I was like, damn it. And then, <laughs> and then I, I got hired, like, they called me, they told me I was waitlisted. Then they called me like a month later and they were like, you're hired. And I was like, unfortunately, right around that time too, I had a family member pass away. So I was like, I'm not leaving anyways. Like it wasn't just because of Steven, like I wasn't going to leave anyways, but I got hired at Disney world. That's a cool fact about me that you never knew. Holy shit. (laughs) I know I'm super cool. Okay. So my friend, my new friend, my new friend, um, from a theme park wrote in to me, who's a famous lady wrote in and she said, I have a few stories. I've been sensitive to spirits my entire life, but since this one has a picture, I'll start with this one. So that was the other thing. She reached out to me because on my last episode, my friend Tamara had sent me a photo of a ghost that appeared in one of her photos. And so she wrote in to me on Twitter and was like, I have like some cool shit too. So Anyways, this one has a picture. I'll start with this one. My parents and I were taking a Christmas trip down to Savannah, Georgia, and we went on a ghost investigation tour. Oh, my God. (laughs) I already love the sound of this. This is amazing. I know. On this tour, we stopped by 432 Abercorn Street, which is considered the demon house of Savannah. No comment. Just no comment. Straight face right now. Waiting for you. Some history on the house. The house was built in 1868 on a slave burial ground. Like most of the, like most of Savannah rolls eyes. The house was inhabited by a civil war veteran named Mr. Wilson and his children. It is rumored that one day as punishment for his little girl playing with the slave children, he tied her up in the top window overlooking the square so she could watch the slaves and see where she belongs and where they belong. Eye roll intensifies. Being in Savannah, Georgia during the very hot summer where it easily reaches into the 90s um, at a time where air conditioning wasn't even a thing is already brutal. Adding being tied up facing a window with no food and water for days is asking for a heat stroke, and unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. It wasn't until a couple strolling by the house some days later that the little girl slumped over in her chair was seen through the high window. She had died of heat stroke. Now, this is known as an old rumor, but the photograph I've attached made it seem a little bit more real. My father was just snapping pictures, not looking for anything, when later that evening I saw a figure. When you zoom into the top window that's facing the square, there's a profile of a little girl. It's hard to see, so I've circled her. Turning the brightness of the photo up helps. 
Another weird occurrence at at that house is a couple years ago, my friend went to visit the same house. She was being silly and was sitting on the stairs, which you are not supposed to do, tempting the spirits when she suddenly fell ill and threw up. Later, when looking at their photos, they see a demonic-looking creature in a window in one of the photos of the house. For months after that trip, she would have the same dream over and over again of images of the house flashing through her mind. She became very depressed, and very unlucky things started happening to her. She went to her friend, who's a card reader, for help. The angel card showed up, and she told my friend it meant there's an angel protecting her from something evil. She, she, She suggested she delete and burn any of the photos of the house and also gave her a prayer to say and suggested she do a cleanse on the house. After she did that, she never dreamt of the house again and her bad luck was gone. She was much better. She still visits Savannah, but every time she passes that house, she gets chills and immediately nauseous. There are many speculations that devil worship and occult rituals mixed with bad energy have caused the house or have cursed the house and stirred up an evil energy. The current owners refuse to live in nor sell 432 Abercorn Street. They live in the carriage house behind it. They also refuse to talk about the house. They refuse to talk about the house. Holy shit. Or confirm or deny paranormal happenings. And they loathe when the ghost tours come snooping by. I bet you that's because ghost activity gets intensified when people come looking for them. Oh, for sure. Because the ghosts are attracted to that. So they obviously want to go see the people and prove that they're there because all the people are like oh you're not here prove to me you're here and then the ghosts are like well bitch yeah i am here yeah and that girl starts throwing up you're not supposed to sit on the stairs don't sit on the stairs (laughs) that's the main thing (laughs) i'm so glad glad you agreed to do this with me because i love you so much Um, that's crazy, especially because they won't like, they won't confirm, they won't deny. If you heard that noise in the background, that was my cat. So don't worry. Um, they won't confirm and they won't deny. And they hate when ghost tours come by. Obviously it's because the ghosters are stirring up the energy. The past couple of years, the city of Savannah has told them that they need to do maintenance on the house. Otherwise they will take the property back. From the last visit there, I can tell they've definitely cleaned it up, but it is still vacant. No matter what you believe, this house has some interesting and strange history behind it. And she did send me the photo, which I forgot to screenshot, so I'm going to just look it up quickly in my messages. I know she sent it to me. Oh my gosh, where are you? There she is. This is very exciting. <laughs> okay, so here's the photo. So here's one. Um, this is the, oh, I thought you could scroll on Instagram, but I guess you can't. This is the next one where she circles the little girl's face. I'll turn up my brightness for you and you can tell them what you're seeing. Oh my God. If my brightness would turn up. This is exciting. Do you see the profile of her face? Holy shit. (laughs) No, you like, you can actually see a face and hair and like a dress almost as if. Yeah. That's fucking mess. I know. And I want to delete all the photos that people send me because I feel like they're all cursed. Well, yeah, because that one card reader said for that one girl to delete all of them. So what if they're connected to that? Right. Anyways, that's her story. She's sick. I, I really like this girl. I hope baby. I hope BB baby. I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's embarrassing for me. Um, um, send me more things because I like your stories. Um, next. I've got this one. I got, so I got this one and then I'm going to hear yours. And then right before 
right before we left work, because Victoria works with me, right before we left work, I checked my email and I got an email from a guy and the subject line really caught my eye. And I was like, okay, I need to read this. I did not, you know what work is like. We cannot, we don't have time to breathe at our job. So, (laughs) so, um, I was like, just the subject line. I was like, I'm going to read this email on the podcast. And like, I haven't just bear with me while I get through it. Cause I haven't read it. I haven't like edited it in my mind. I haven't like rehearsed it. So when I get, I'll do that one last, but first I'm going to do this one. This one was from, uh, I think it was from Ryan Galleon. I, I had mentioned him on my last episode cause he messaged me on Twitter and said he had a story for me and then he never sent it. So then he was like, sorry, here's my story. So he he did end up sending it in. Um, So he says, okay, to start off, let me say great podcast and always looking forward to the next one. I mean, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I'm not being sarcastic. I've been told that when I say, when I, when I'm genuinely thanking somebody, people are like, are you being sarcastic? Like that's so rude. No, i so many people ask me if I'm being sarcastic when I'm being sincere. So I do apologize. She loves the attention. So <laughs> trust me, it's not sarcasm. I do love the attention. Okay. Give me attention. So, <laughs> so he says, four years ago, my wife and I moved into this small little two bedroom, two bathroom condo right in the middle of the city. Nothing creepy, scary, or spooky. Just a small ass condo. <laughs> I love it. I love it already. After a year, one evening, my wife was doing the dishes like normal and a glass broke in her hand while reaching for a dish in the sink. The glass cut her, but not bad enough to get stitches, but definitely deep enough to bleed for a while. We cleaned up the wound with a bandage and I finished the dishes. A week later, after her cut healed, the same thing happened again. She grabbed a glass dish out of the sink and it broke in her hand for no reason at all and left behind another cut. Again, we cleaned the cut and bandaged it. I said, you got to be careful, honey. She said, I didn't do anything. And I finished the dishes. I think she's just breaking shit. So you finish the dishes. (laughs) So smart. Oh my God. I should start doing that. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. The rest of the story gets scary. (laughs) Well, then you got to start from there. Come on. (laughs) I just thought it was a funny joke. It is. I'll give you that. It is actually. Thank you. So, um, let's see. Now a month later, and again, it happened. Same thing. Glass broke in hand in the sink, leaving behind another cut on my wife's hand. My wife and I have always been spiritual. And after this last incident, we were just really uneasy because now we felt like something else was in the house with us. Shortly after that, other things started happening. Like in the middle of the night, both in bed, we would hear banging in the bathroom. I would go check and her shampoo bottles would be on the floor or in the tub in both bathrooms and all cabinets would be open. Oh God, that's scary when all the cabinets are open. Yeah, fuck no. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's getting creepy in here. We both knew we had a spirit or ghost or something with us, at which point I was starting to get pissed that my wife was getting hurt with cuts and her stuff would just be thrown around and she felt, she just felt hated and singled out with the spirit. After that, I started taking pictures around the house and setting up audio recorders, but nothing would show up. A couple days later, we were getting ready to go on vacation to New Orleans. That night, my wife made dinner. After fixing myself a plate, I was walking out of the kitchen and just noticed the coffee pot was on the dish rack drying from that morning. Nothing out of the ordinary. 
Four minutes later, my wife and I were eating dinner on the couch in the living room, watching some TV, when all of a sudden we heard this loud glass glass shatter. We both looked at each other with a little bit of fear, and we went to investigate. After turning the lights on, we saw it was the coffee pot that was somehow taken off the dish rack and full force thrown against the tile floor, because there was nothing left but tiny, tiny pieces of glass shards all over the kitchen floor. Again, my wife feeling very uneasy and frightened. I went to sleep that night and finally got some insight on our problem. I had a visitation dream. It was this little girl that was about four to six years old, maybe with shoulder length, dark brown hair and wore a blue little princess dress with blue slippers. In my dream, she would follow me all over the condo, but she would never show her face, which was weird to me. The next morning I told my wife and on vacation we went. While in New Orleans, the French Quarter, of course, my wife went and saw a psychic. And before my wife could even sit down for her reading, the psychic said that the little girl does not like you, honey, and she has got to go. But she sure does love your husband. Whole one in New Orleans. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so creepy. Of course, you don't want a little girl following you. Oh, my God. Right? Uh, and that just blew us away because we never said anything about our situation at home. She said that the little girl didn't die in our house, but did pass in the area a while back. We didn't follow up because we just didn't want to know what happened to this little girl. It just didn't feel right. After her reading, the psychic gave us some sage and a certain prayer to read, and we never had any issues again. Thank you for reading our story. P.S. So sorry for the butchered story, but I'm definitely not a writer. LOL. I'm more than happy to tell you over recording if that works. No, it was a really good story. You actually did fantastic. So not, not to worry. Well, thanks so much, Ryan. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's hear your possession. Okay. All right, let's get started with this. I'm excited because there's a little bit of a hit, like a, a lesson in this for all of us. Yeah. So, okay. So I'll tell a story and then I'll explain a little bit what it means as well. So my friend's family friend in Pakistan was about five, four to five months pregnant. She was going upstairs to her bedroom. This is what my friend had told me. And she was halfway up the stairs. She felt like something was there. So she looked up and she just saw a pair of eyes, nothing else, just a pair of eyes staring at her. Then suddenly the eyes blink. So, no, thank you. 
yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I would have ran like hell. I would have been like, fuck this. And did that whole thing where you run down the stairs before something that doesn't exist catches you. <laughs> <laughs> that does exist, but you cannot see. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so what my friend has told me is that a djinn has took over this girl. And so just before I continue with the story, I'm going to explain what a djinn is. So a djinn was common in early Arabia, and people thought that they were just to inspire poets and soothsayers. Um, let's see. Their existence was further acknowledged in official Islam, which indicated that they, like a human being, would have to face eventual salvation or damnation. So pretty much in Turkish folklore, they said that they're known as either genies or pretty much a soul that likes to mess with people. So keeping that in mind, back to the story. Suddenly the eyes blinked that she saw and the djinn had taken control over her. Her eyes would go blood red. Her voice would change to a very deep, loud man's voice. The djinn wouldn't let her husband near her anymore or anyone for that matter. The djinn made the woman fall down the stairs so that the woman would lose the baby because he didn't want to share her body. So the family tried everything. They called anyone that they could trying to get rid of this djinn. Reading spiritual things, feeding her certain foods, anything like that, anything, you know, wives' tale, my family does it, your family does it. Mm -hmm. Until one priest was finally able to bring the djinn to the surface when he wanted to come out. They asked for him to leave the woman alone as she was newly married and just started her life and wanted to start a family. He reluctantly agreed. The djinn advised that now this woman has an empty space in her brain, the space he made for himself. It would be a lot easier for someone else to take possession for future. So he provided the priest with the right prayer for the woman, and she must write and wear around her neck for the rest of her life. The priest, obviously, how are you going to believe this guy, asked how would they know that he was gone. He said the next child this woman has will have a black birthmark the size of an apple on his right birth cheek. And guess what, Marie? Did he have a banana birthmark on his left cheek? Nope. Was he, it pear? Marie, come on. <laughs> now you're just ruining it. Nope. It was an apple-sized birthmark on his cheek. Jesus Christ, though. That's Jesus Christ in Italian. Jesus Maria. <laughs> Let's throw some Polish in there if you're going to do Italian. That's so fucked. Yeah, no, that's creepy. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was telling me this, and I was like, Marie's going to love this. I'm so glad that you didn't <laughs> tell me. It's such a good one. You guys, I forgot that I was going to tell you about Griffith Park. Who's excited to hear about Griffith Park? How could you forget? I didn't, like, forget. Like, I did mention it. At you the did a of whole shout-out, too. I know. I know. Shout-out to my homies in L.A., my people. <laughs> Okay, sorry, I know I'm annoying. Um, <laughs> LA, thank you for listening to my podcast, honestly, because, like, you're all famous, aren't you? Isn't everyone in LA celebrities? Yeah, pretty much. Like, you have to be a celebrity to live there. I thought that was, like, a contract like and a everything. a prerequisite, right? Yeah, exactly. I thought so, too. 
Side note, I know one person. Oh my god, my rescue cat came out of hiding to hang out with us. She's literally sitting on the coffee table. She's so afraid of every human being in the world, but she's here with us tonight. Everyone, welcome Louise to the podcast. Louise. Okay, back to the ghosts. Um, No, the only person I know that lives in LA is literally my dad's friend, D. It was my dad's best man at his wedding, and he he was in a movie. And he's like from Hamilton, but he, he's been in like several movies, but he was in what's short circuit with Johnny number five. It's like, he's like a, he was a bad guy. He was one of the bad guys that was trying to kill Johnny number five, which was a robot, but like, uh, like had like human feelings and stuff. I'm sorry. I've never heard of that movie. We'll watch it together. It's actually such a good movie. Is it like a comedy or? I, yeah. A comedy that also tugs on your heartstrings and make you, makes you fall in love with a lovable little robot. You're going to love it. We're going to do fine. Anyways, listen, LA, thanks for listening. Also, Griffith Park is in Santa Monica, in the Santa Monica Mountains in LA. Um, apparently, it's a huge, huge park, and it's really popular among tourists and nature lovers and photographers. It is the second largest city park in California, and it's referred to often as being the Central Park of LA, but it's actually much bigger, untamed, and more rugged than Central Park in New York City. Also just wanted to say that I got most of this information from a website called backpackerverse.com. So there's a few haunts that happen in Griffith Park. First is the lady or the woman in white. Uh, The locals refer to her as the woman in white, and she apparently haunts the grounds. She is often seen wearing a white dress that is stained with dirt and mud and has been ripped to shreds. Her black hair is draped across her face, um, so the only way that you can see her features is if you're underneath it. Some people say they see her holding a rose uh, and staring at the ground, but she may be standing silent in the middle of the woods, longing for something, but nobody knows what it is. Uh, They say her pain is deep. People describe feeling uh, immense depression coming over them just before they see her. You usually only have a few seconds to see her before she blends in with the woods and disappears. The locals believe that she was murdered on her wedding day. They, the, so the legend is that her and her husband were traveling while on their honeymoon and they stopped near Griffith Park to stretch their legs, at which point they were attacked by somebody and they were both killed, which would explain why her clothes are so dirty and ripped to shreds. Uh, and then in this article, it says maybe she roams the forest searching for her husband, hoping they will be reunited. That's insane. I'm actually, I think I've heard this before. Yeah. You know, those like haunting in like my hometown shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, um, there is like a ghost, ghost something episode, like ghost hunter episode on this part. Yeah. And then like people write in and then they actually go to those hometowns and see if it's real or not. And they investigate. Yeah, it was, it was on one of those episodes. I saw that while I was researching it. I knew it. The next is the ghost of a grieving mother. Uh, So another popular um, haunt around Griffith Park is the story of the grieving mother. She was so grief stricken after the death of her son that even after she got a psychic reading and the psychic told her that everything would be okay, she still went to the park with nothing more than a noose and picked out a tree in the middle of the woods and she hung herself. Um, So people believe that her soul has been trapped in the woods of Griffith Park ever since. They say that you can hear a woman in the night calling out for her son, but nobody ever answers her pleas. 
Some say that they've been stopped hiking by a woman in old-fashioned clothing asking if they've seen her son, but when they take their eyes away from her, no matter how brief, she vanishes. Uh, And then the next one is the pain trapped within. So the woman in white isn't the only account of murder that's taken place at Griffith Park. I'm just reading this directly from the website now. Los Angeles residents say that a young lady was taken in the woods and buried beneath the dirt while while she had a white shirt wrapped around her face in an attempt to mask her screams. Some California psychics and mediums say you can hear her ghostly screams at dusk halfway up the observatory trail. Now, also, while I was looking through this stuff, there was a... A lot of people talking about how multiple serial killers have dropped their bodies in this park. Yeah. So, you know me in true crime. Like, I'm obsessed with it. But um, while I was looking this up, like, recently there were serial killers that were dropping bodies in the park. Guess who's not going to L.A.? (laughs) (laughs) I'll still go. Um, And then... There is another story of this person there. Actually, I saw two things on Reddit about people who have said that they've seen like aliens or orbs, which they believe to be UFOs while they were in the park. Um, So this one person, I guess, saw like a gray alien in her house and she lives right next to the park. And the other person saw floating orbs in the canyon. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, and everyone knows how terrified I am of aliens. So I'm not even going to get into the stories or I'm not sleeping tonight. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not a good idea. No, not for me. And then let's read this story that I got to my emails today from a man named Mike. Um, so he sent me two. One was a photo of, I guess, what he was talking about. And then the first email was called The Soul of the Samurai. So this is my first time reading it. I apologize I apologize if I butcher it. Marie, I enjoy what you are doing on your podcast. Keep up the good work. Mike, thank you so much. As I've said numerous times before on this podcast, I can't get enough of hearing people compliment me. Keep the compliments coming. Just keep them coming. I have a story. <laughs> Victoria's looking at me like, shut the fuck up. She literally can't. Whenever she gets a comment, she will turn around at work and she'll be like, Victoria, there's another fan. Oh my goodness. Read this comment. And like, Marie, just stop. Just stop. But then I still read the comment, guys. I still read it. Don't worry. Okay. But like, I'm just a normal person. So when people from like, LA or like Nebraska or Orlando reach out to me and they're like, I listen to your podcast all the time. I love you. Like, it's so cool for me. I love it. Keep it coming. You act like I do it like all the time. <laughs> it feels like it. It honestly does sometimes. I hate you, <laughs> but I still love you. So don't worry. Oh my God. Okay. I'll stop talking about myself. Um, so I have, so Mike says, I have a story about reincarnation that I believe you'll appreciate on your show. Most of it is build up, but by the end, it will be worth it. Just like sex. That's, that was my <laughs> comment, not his. Just like foreplay. I'm a huge military buff and I've spent a lot of time learning about World War II. I always felt connected to World War II because both of my grandfathers served in the war. One grandfather was a bomber mechanic and the other received a Purple Heart Medal in the Pacific by being shot from a Japanese sniper while on patrol along a riverbank in the Philippines. 
I have always had a fascination with weapons and started collecting swords about three years ago. I started with a European longsword and then, for some reason, a Japanese katana. I was very proud of the blades and showed them to my parents. They were both as amazed. They were both as amazed as I was at their study at their at their sturdy construction and beautiful presentation. Later, my mother had a conversation with her employer about these swords. He left the office after the conversation and handed her a sword to give to me. He told my mother that he wanted me to have it because it would fit well with the collection I started. My mother contacted me about the blade and I was ecstatic. She told me that it was a World War II Imperial Japanese Army officer sword and she said that it was recovered from the famous battle of Okinawa in 1945. Her employer's father was a Marine that served on the island and took the blade from the battlefield, but no further information was available. I'm taking a sip of my wine. Please excuse me. Oh my God, my kittens are killing me with my heart. Look at them. Oh my God. Then I, <laughs> I'm going to do a whole podcast episode. It's like a, the Mitch Hedberg joke. I'm just going to do a whole podcast episode where you actually have to be here to appreciate it. Just being like, wow, look at your cool hair. Wow, crazy shirt. <laughs> I wish there was like a way you could do a video. A vlog, you mean? Oh, yeah, a vlog. <laughs> Guys, it's been a long day, okay? Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> All right, sorry, Mike. I'm getting back to your story. The night before I was going to pick up the blade, I had a very disturbing dream. I've never had a dream like this before. I saw a soldier moving forward on the battlefield, and then there was a loud gunshot. The soldier was hit in the middle of the chest and went down immediately. About three to five seconds later, a second soldier came into the picture, and there and there was a second gunshot. The second shoulder was also hit in the chest and went down immediately. I woke up in the middle of the night in tears over the scene I had witnessed. This will play a part later. I went to my parents' house to retrieve the sword, and that's when things started to become interesting. After I received the blade, I put it in the trunk of my car, and my father said, there's something I need to tell you about the sword. He warned me that there's a soldier with the blade. I already had a feeling that there was going to be an unknown soldier with this weapon, my prior lessons about the samurai. He also told me, if you take care of the sword, you will have extra protection. He said... He also said he had a personal visit from him the day before. He described the visit as being from a dark black spirit, wanting to make sure to take care of his sword because it meant a lot to him when he was alive. I was stunned by the terms of agreement to becoming the caretaker of this blade. I took the sword... Uh, to a friend's house to show off this World War II prize. One of the people at my friend's house said immediately, you have a spirit. I asked this person later that night what he meant by that. He replied, the sword is glowing with blue energy. He also said, if you take care of the sword, you will have extra protection. These are the exact same words my father said. Oh my God. I returned back to my apartment with the sword and noticed that it was very cool in my apartment for about three days. This was in the middle of the summer and the temperature outside was approximately 88 to 90 degrees. The air conditioning was not on and the room temperature was around 68 degrees. The AC unit would have to be on constantly to keep the, the place that cold at 68 degrees. Over a period of about a year, I proudly presented the blade to my many friends. One person in particular mentioned that when I pulled the blade out of the scabbard, I think that's what it's called, scabbard, scabbard. It was, thing. well, yeah, I figured it was, yeah. but, but I just don't know exactly how to pronounce it. It was glowing red with energy. 
This is the third person to mention an energy color. What do the three different color energies mean? After a year in possession of the, store, of the sword, I became obsessed with learning about Japanese history. My younger sister learned of my Japanese interest and eventually invited me to make a trip to Japan. I'm very excited about the idea because I've never left the United States. We do the trip and visit the cities of Tokyo, Matsumoto, and Hiroshima in August of 2017. On the way over, I had some feeling in the back of my mind that I was going back home, but I didn't know why I felt that way. There's more. I'm just taking a sip of more wine. Holy shit. This is a really good email. Like, I'm really excited. The detail on it, it's, it's literally like a book. I know. <laughs> Not a book, but yeah. Mike, you're the best. Okay. My sister practices Reiki and is a gifted medium at contacting spirits. She felt a need to contact the World War II Japanese officer while we were in Japan. She could contact him as long as I provided a picture of his sword. While she was performing Reiki, she emotionally started to break down. I wanted to comfort her, but didn't want to interrupt her conversation with him. After she finishes the conversation, she drops a bombshell of information. Pun intended. <laughs> My sister tells me that the Japanese officer was her husband in her past life. She then tells me that both of them died from gunshot wounds in the Battle of Okinawa, my previous dream. Then my sister tells me that the Japanese officer is my older brother. He had the officer rank of captain in the army. I'm very proud of that. I was his younger brother by eight years, but I died in Hiroshima as a teenager. Sincerely, Mike. Thank you so much. That was a really, really good email. Okay. That's it. I think I finished everything. Do you have anything you want to add? That was an intense story. I know. Holy shit. Literally a bomb at the end. I know. <laughs> a literal bomb. It was Hiroshima. Sorry. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. I fucking the love this pulls podcast. Pulls on your heartstrings. Holy crap. I know. I love this. Well, thank you to everybody who wrote in to me. Honestly, I. Uh, you know I can't get enough of it. Like I've said it a million times. And hearing your stories is so entertaining for me. And I, I just love hearing them. I love reading them. I love doing this podcast. So if you have a creepy story or a spooky story or a paranormal story that you want to tell me, I obviously want to hear it. You can follow me on social media, Instagram or Twitter. It's at Splendora underscore. And you can write me your spooky, scary stories. I obviously want to hear them. Also, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, that'd be awesome. Um, it's currently sitting at five stars on iTunes right now. Well, aren't you? Oh my goodness, you're famous. You can move to LA. I'm not famous because I'm not verified on Twitter yet. I need that little blue check mark. Fuck. Yeah, we need to work on that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so please rate, review, subscribe to my podcast. Um, and that way other people can hear my cool stories, which are obviously really fun to listen to. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming on my show. It's been actually so much fun. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Anytime. You know that I've been begging you to come on. <laughs> Literally. Yes. Yes, you have. Actually. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening guys. Stay spooky and I'll see you next week. Bye.